Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, prescribing hope for healthy families here on American Family Radio. Here's your host, professor, pediatric nurse practitioner, and mom of four, Dr. Jessica Peck. Well, hello, friends, and happy Wednesday. You are here. If you are working, you've made it halfway through the week. If you are at home taking care of kids, you're halfway through the week. This is exciting, and we have a lot going on today. Today is kind of a busy day. Uh, I'm going to be talking to you about what's going on. We have Lent that is starting today. We have Valentine's Day, and we're also going to give you, at the end of the program, a very special opportunity to do a unique contribution to send a card for Valentine's Day in a way that maybe you wouldn't expect and it would be a very meaningful thing for your family to do together. Yep, that's all I'm going to tell you right now. If you want to find out who and where and how and when and why, you'll have to stick around till the end of the show. But today does start It marks the start of Lent. Now, this may be very familiar to some of you and not so familiar to others. So you may see people who are going to church and having ashes in the mark of a cross on their forehead. And the truth is Lent is typically associated with the Catholic Church. And here's what I learned from them when I read about it. Lent is a 40-day season of prayer. So today marks 40 days until Easter. Can you believe it? Now, Easter is a little bit early this year. It is at the end of March. So we're starting this a little bit earlier. But, you know, for me, honestly, January can seem so dreary and so long. It feels like once we make it to Valentine's Day and then Lent starts, it's the official start of spring and life starts to bloom again and and my spirit starts to lift. And it is really exciting to think about Easter being 40 days from now. Now, Lent is a very intentional 40-day season of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving or giving offerings that begins today on Ash Wednesday, and it ends at sundown on Holy Thursday. Now, it's a period of preparation to celebrate the Lord's resurrection at Easter. Now, you know, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, that I am a big fan of Christmas. And I start getting ready for Christmas in October, probably earlier than that, if um, I feel my husband elbowing me now, even though he's not here. Yes, honey, I know. But it really convicted me to think about the preparation that we do for Christmas and the lack of preparation and thought and intentionality that we give to Easter. So learning more from what I read about from the Catholic Church, whether you're Catholic or not, I think this is all helpful to all of us. But during Lent, it's a time to seek the Lord in prayer by reading scripture. You serve by giving an offering. You practice self-control through fasting. And what I read off of the Catholic Church website was we are called not only to abstain from luxuries during Lent, but to a true inner conversion of heart as we seek to follow Christ's will more faithfully. Now, many of you know the tradition of abstaining from meat on Fridays during Lent. We see McDonald's bringing back the fish sandwich, or you may see a fish fry at a local Catholic church. I've been to a few of those. They're delicious, by the way. But you're also called to practice self-discipline and fast in other ways throughout the season of Lent contemplating the meaning and the origins of the Lenten fasting tradition in that reflection. 
And it's interesting because according to LifeWay Research, about 61% of practicing Catholics are likely to observe Lent in some way, but 20% of Protestants and about 28% of evangelical Christians do observe Lent in some capacity, even if their home churches don't as a collective body. So I really want to challenge you to think about this in the season of Lent and think about the preparation that you do for Christmas and are we giving that equal preparation? And I know there is so much controversy and you can start a really heated debate about the Easter bunny and Easter baskets and all of those kinds of things, but Right now, today, on Ash Wednesday, is a really great time. You have plenty of time to be very thoughtful about preparing your family to celebrate the Easter season. And I want to challenge you to do that. There are ways that you can observe Lent together as a family even whether you call it Lent or not, but call it preparing your heart for Easter. Now, one way that you can do that is to jump in on the 52 Habits for Healthy Parenting that we're doing together here on the show. And each week we've been introducing a new habit because Lent is not always just about abstaining from something. It can be adopting intentionally a new healthy practice. And many of the habits that we've already introduced on the show here would be great habits to consider solidifying during Lent. So what we've encouraged you to do so far is to incorporate prayer more into your daily life. And if you want to read a recap of these, I have them posted on my social media. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Nurse Mama. And I talk about the evidence-based research-supported health benefits of each one of these practices. So it's not just about, oh, doing these things to earn spiritual brownie points. It's about literally guarding your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's about improving your blood pressure and your sleep and your heart rate and your relationships and all of those things that will make you overall healthier as a person. So think about how could you pray during Lent? How could you pray specifically? Is there a specific place in your home? Is there a specific time that you could designate as a family together to pray specifically during these 40 days for Lent? Now, again, for all of these things, it does not have to be Pinterest perfect. So many times we put ourselves up on this pedestal and we think, okay, I'm going to pray for 40 days of Lent. We're going to pray for 40 minutes. We're going to light 40 candles and and play music, and it's going to be perfect. That doesn't happen. We need to give ourselves grace and space to be human and recognize that we'll likely have kids crawling all over us and asking us what's for dinner or somebody getting into a fight or somebody touching somebody during the prayer or somebody saying something inappropriate and, you know, talking about other things or getting distracted. All of those things are normal, but the important thing is consistency over time. So even if you say, okay, I'm going to pray specifically for 40 days, if you forget a day, if you run out of time, if you just don't do it, that's okay. Then just pick it up again the next day. Maybe do it twice in that day. That would be okay. So our first habit was just prayer. How do you incorporate prayer more as a family? 
The second one is memorizing scripture. Maybe there are some specific scriptures that you can memorize for Lent that have to do with Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. Maybe some verses that you want to memorize together as a family. Are there some verses for Lent that you could work on memorizing? And plugging into a local church. Is your church participating in Lent? And do they have resources for you? Or could you grab some of your church friends and say, hey, I want you to hold me accountable. I'm going to adopt this practice or give up this practice for Lent. And I want you to join me. Let's do it together. That can always be encouraging to do things like that together. Listening to Christian music was habit number four. And so do you have an Easter playlist? Do you have a playlist that talks specifically about, again, the the life and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus? Can you make a worship list that you're listening to specifically for Lent? That's another idea that you could have. Practicing gratitude was habit number five, and there are lots of ways that you could incorporate gratitude into a Lent season. What are ways that you can intentionally practice this? Can you decide that you're going to write a thank you note to someone every day during Lent or send your kids a thank you text or keep a journal of what you're grateful for? all preparing your heart for the Easter season. So these are all things that you could do. This week we talked about bedtime routines. So are there books, for especially for those of you who have kids or grandkids who are younger? Can you cultivate a book collection that you will read and commit to read over Lent? Now one that we have recommended and we've the authors of which we've had as a guest on the show is a devotional by Jeff and Abby Land. This is a husband-wife duo who wrote a really beautiful family Easter devotional called The Way to the Savior, a family Easter devotional. And you can get that online anywhere books are sold, but it is a great 40-day journal a journey that will take you through the season of Lent. And in this book, they celebrate eight aspects of that. So some of the things that they cover, the themes that they cover in this book are forgiveness, hope, trust, thanksgiving, love, commitment, obedience, and Jesus' last days. Now, in this book, you can find discussion questions and easy family activities and prayers and devotionals, and it is designed to be a family keepsake. So if you maybe are familiar as a family with doing Advent together, this would be a great companion book for that. For younger kids, I'd say till up about 12 years old is what Jeff had told us when he was on the program before. But there are lots of devotionals and resources for older kids too. So those are some ideas to have. Now, other ideas that you can have for giving up something is replacing a current habit with something that's more purposeful. But there are a lot of people who give something up for Lent. I see every year a large exodus on social media, people saying, okay, bye-bye, I'll see you at Easter. And they give up that social media platform. But the thing is, you can't just give that up. You really have to replace that with something else. And I really want to challenge you all to think about what is a way that you could give up something of your screen time related to Lent. And the whole point is that whenever you reach for your phone and start to scroll, when you reach for your remote and you look for the TV, that you're reminded, oh, 
I'm giving this up because I want to be really intentional in meditating and praying and preparing my heart and thinking about the about the Easter season that is approaching. Screen time is something that we all definitely have way too much of. And of course, I talk about this a lot, but this is just a struggle for all of us. And we all say how much is too much. But the average screen times, let me give you some statistics here. Six month old babies, Research shows the average screen time is one hour and 15 minutes every single day. By two, they're spending two and a half hours on screens a day. At the preschool years, they're up to three to four hours. By the school age, they're on a screen six hours a day. Preteen is nine hours a day. And those later teenage years are seven and a half to nine hours a day. People, that's a full-time job to manage your screen. That is a lot of screen time. So thinking about how could you give that up or replace that with a more purposeful habit? The recommended limits for screen time, by the way, we cannot be the screen time police because we're all going to feel guilty about that. Um, But you can think about what is a way that I could decrease that. Maybe that's moving the TV out of your bedroom for this season, or maybe that is giving up a social media platform or setting a screen time limitation on your phone. You can do that easily if you have a smartphone to do that. And for kids really under two, they shouldn't be having any screen time except for video chatting and two to five years is an hour a day. But more important than screen time is what you're watching and who you're watching it with. So and if your toddler is watching something, which I certainly have done that, put on uh, a show for kids, sit down and watch it with them. And that can be really, really helpful. So I encourage you again, think about something with your screen time. What is a way that you could replace that? Can you play music instead of watching something on your screen? Or can you go for a walk? Or for kids, younger kids, have some coloring books, other hands-on activities, but those things are really hard to do. But whatever you decide to do, whether that's dessert, soda, coffee, for me in Texas, it's Sonic drinks at happy hour. Oh, that Sonic ice is just the best. Social media, video games, if it's spending or busyness, I I, I really encourage you to think about what you and your family can do together to demonstrate outwardly to each other and encourage each other that you're preparing your hearts for Lent. When we come back, we'll talk about Valentine's Day and the best thing you could possibly ever give your kids. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. Daisy and her husband had decided they never wanted kids. And when she found out she was pregnant, she immediately thought abortion. But after she and her husband met her baby on ultrasound and heard the heartbeat, their hearts melted and they chose life. Her baby Jeffrey is healthy and beautiful and Daisy and her husband can't even imagine life without him. Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day, Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and death of a child. 
When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. You're listening to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show with Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Well, hey, friends, welcome back to this action-packed Wednesday. We have Ash Wednesday, the start of Lent season, which we just talked about. And I hope during the break, you already have in your mind exactly what you're going to do for Lent. So I know my husband's listening. I can't wait to hear, honey, when you get home. What is it going to be? We'll talk about it for our family and what we are going to do. But today is actually Valentine's Day, too. I mean, we've got busyness. Why Valentine's Day couldn't have fallen yesterday on Fat Tuesday? I don't know. But here we are. This is the reality of where we are. Now, if you are like me, I'm a history buff. I love history and learning about the origins of things. Some of you probably not so much, but just stick with me. And I'm going to give you a quick update on the history of Valentine's Day as I've learned it from the History Channel. That is my source. So there we go. Now, the Catholic Church, again, we're talking a lot about the Catholic Church today, but it recognizes at least three different saints named Valentine, all of whom were martyred. Now, one legend contends that Valentine was a priest who served during the third century in Rome. And when Emperor Claudius II decided that single men made way better soldiers than those with wives and families, he actually outlawed marriage for young men. But Valentine, realizing the injustice of the decree, as it is told here, defied Claudius and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. When Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. Now, there are other people who insist that no, it was actually St. Valentine of Terni, a bishop who was the true namesake of the holiday. Now, he too was beheaded by Claudius II outside of Rome. And other stories suggest that Valentine may have been killed for attempting to help Christians escape harsh Roman prisons where they were often beat beaten and tortured. And according to one legend, an imprisoned Valentine actually sent the first quote unquote Valentine greeting himself after he fell in love with a young girl who visited him during his confinement. Now, before his death, it is alleged that he wrote her a letter signed from your Valentine, an expression that is still in use today. And some people believe that Valentine's Day is celebrated in the middle of February to commemorate the anniversary of Valentine's death or burial, which probably happened somewhere around AD 270, 270. But others claim that the Christian church decided to place St. Valentine's feast day in the middle of February to counteract a pagan celebration that was going on at the time called, I think it's Lupercalia. And those of you who are way smarter than me out there may say, oh, she just said that wrong, but it's something like that. And that, uh, that holiday was deemed, uh, it was deemed pagan. And so at the end of the fifth century, the Pope declared February 14th as St. Valentine's Day. Now, in more modern history, the oldest known Valentine still in existence today 
was actually a poem written in 1415 by Charles, the Duke of Orleans, to his wife while he was imprisoned in the Tower of London. But by the middle of the 1700s, it was very common for friends and lovers of all social classes to exchange small tokens of affection or handwritten notes. And by 1900, this was fully commercialized and we had printed cards that began to replace written letters because there were such improvements in printing technology. And these cards were an easy way for people to express their emotions in a time when it really wasn't proper to publicly express those feelings, but you could do that with some discretion through a written card. Now, in the 1840s, a woman named Esther Howland began selling the first mass-produced Valentines here in America, and she is often referred to as the mother of the Valentine, and she made elaborate creations with real lace and ribbons and colorful pictures. Now today, according to Hallmark, an estimated 145 million Valentine's Day cards are sent each year. So this makes Valentine's Day the second largest card sending holiday of the year. More cards, of course, are sent at Christmas and Mother's Day is really close behind. So I thought that was interesting to look at the history of Valentine's Day. And I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to my Valentine, my husband. I have the joy of being married to a real life rocket scientist who is perpetually amused at the perception that I am the smart one in this relationship. My kids won't let me forget that, that he is in fact a literal rocket scientist, which leads to a lot of jokes in our house. But when we met, I was a 19-year-old mediocre community college nursing student, honestly, barely scraping by. And my biggest accomplishment was the fact that I wore scrubs at my job. I really don't know why that was a big deal, but I told him about it every chance that I got. And when I needed a bachelor's degree to keep my job, I was honestly too scared to go to a university alone. So this man enrolled in a master's program so he could literally drive me to school and keep himself occupied during my classes. And when I got confident enough to go for my own master's degree, he amicably got a second master's degree. But by the time I got to my doctoral degree, he's like, honey, I, I don't need a doctoral degree in rocket science or engineering. Y you got this. You can do this. But when our kids were in elementary school, he drove across town to their school every day on his lunch break as a volunteer to teach a little computer science class. And he's been a volunteer in children's ministry for more than 20 years. He plays dodgeball and tug of war, and he loves to invest in kids and just be there for kids who are hurting or just to encourage kids. He has never missed one of our kids' events. Honestly, not one. He's never even missed a birthday party for our nieces or nephews. And I really do want to give him a shout out because during his 30s, a childhood dental injury that he had led to a fractured jaw, a raging bone infection, a paralyzed face. He lived for three years with essentially no teeth and 20 plus reconstructive procedures to fix it. And the thing that I admired about him the most is that he still smiled during that time. I'm telling you, I would not have done that. I would have been locked in my room with no visitors and a blanket over my head, but he still smiled this goofy, toothless, half-faced, droopy smile. 
because he had Bell's palsy too at the time. And he said, honey, this may make me ugly, but it doesn't make me dead. I'll count it all joy and I'm going to live my life. And you know what? Our kids watched and they learned from that. And, you know, he really is amazing. He cooks, he cleans, he carpools, all without complaining. And the day that I told him I had a vision to write my book, Behind Closed Doors, a guide for parents and teens to navigate through life's toughest issues, he had a silver charm engraved with the book title, proof of his faith that it would be so. He went out and did that the first day. Now, lest you think that he is perfect, he would want me to remind you that he's often silly in the wrong circumstance his sense of humor skews to the juvenile, and he put his hand in a blender. Twice, in fact, yes. He can't choose matching clothes to save his life. He has a fiery Italian side that occasionally services, but he is my Valentine, and I absolutely adore him. And when I was looking back today, I posted a picture of us uh, of dating and on val- our first Valentine's Day together. I don't know what was bigger, our love or my hair, because thank you, white rain, but we have been through a lot together. And yes, I'm here as the voice on the radio that you're getting familiar with, but he really deserves so much credit for all of the support because we are a team. Every time I say, hey, honey, I have an idea, we both know it's a done deal. He's going to be packed and ready to go before I even lay out the vision. He believes in me, and that really is an extraordinary gift. And people often will ask, what is the secret to our love story? And I want to tell you the honest truth of that. It is no secret. A happy marriage is just two people accepting each other's imperfections and offering forgiveness and repeating that every single day for the rest of your life with questions like, Where's the remote? And what do you want for dinner? (laughs) I really like to control things too much. And he likes to respond to stress with juvenile humor, as I said. But it's one of the best but God stories I've ever known. And we are learning to rejoice in the trials that we face and to see redemption of those broken places. And I am really, really grateful for that. And so I think about Valentine's Day as parents, which that's primarily what we talk about on the show. And for us, this day is often filled with creating Pinterest perfect, individually crafted treats. And actually, Stephanie, my producer, and I were just commiserating about times we walked into preschool and we're like, oh, this is a thing? Like we have to have 27 matching treats like right now? And you run to Walgreens furiously and you try to figure out something to do. We go to school parties. We are, as parents, navigating teen romances. We want our kids to feel special and loved today. But if you are married, and, and then the best thing, the very best thing that you can possibly give your kids is two parents who love each other. Not two parents who have a perfect marriage, but two parents who are committed to working that out. There are so many times where my husband and I will have a moment that I think, oh, I wish we had not had that. And I wish that my kids had not seen that. I wish my kids had not heard that. But we have learned to go back to them and say, you know what? That was the human side of us that you saw. And We ask for your forgiveness and we ask for forgiveness from each other. And we hope that we are doing better 
and then generations before us. And we hope that you will do better than generations uh, before you and that you will do that. So I want to emphasize again, the very best thing that you could give your kids today is not a cellophane wrapped treat or, you know, that perfect Valentine, whatever that may be. It is to lavish love and affection on your spouse in front of your kids. Kids' security and their feelings of contentment are deeply tied to the security of your marriage because you are what is providing their home, their literal shelter, and their emotional and psychological security. So let them see you prioritize your relationship today over prioritizing even what you give them for Valentine's Day. I'm not saying don't give your kids anything. I'm just saying don't give your kids something nicer than what you give your spouse. So let them see you dressing up to go out. Maybe that's your thing. Or even having a date night at home or letting them set something up. It could be as simple as, hey, you're going to bed early. We're having pizza and watching Netflix. Something that just shows that, hey, we are taking time for each other today. Now, I have to give you a disclaimer. Your kids are not going to say, oh, wow, thanks, mom and dad. The way that you treated each other tonight, it really made me feel good. And it enhanced my sense of security and well-being. No, they'll likely giggle or they'll groan depending on their age and they will hate it when you post kissing pictures, which I did that today. Kids, you're welcome, (laughs) but I know that they do appreciate having two parents who love them very, very much and they and prioritizing your relationship will pay dividends for them. Now, I want to be really sensitive to the fact that there are single or divorced parents. Let's talk specifically to divorced parents. This can be a really difficult day. It can be triggering in a lot of ways. It can be painful. It can be isolating and it can be lonely. And I want to encourage you wherever you are in your journey on divorce, that the best thing you can give your kids today is to tell your kids specifically that no matter what, you will always love them no matter what. And you may think, oh, that's so simple. They know that. They need to know it again and again and again. And I'll tell you, in this day and age where communication is digital and disposable, having it written on a handmade Valentine, it doesn't matter if you're not crafty. It doesn't matter if it looks like a two-year-old could have done it better than you. Do something from the heart and give it to them with no strings attached. Because again, they're not going to come to you and say, oh, thanks. I've been feeling kind of insecure and I wasn't sure. And thanks for doing that. But I have had parents who have written to me before telling me one mom specifically talking about how she wrote a letter like this to her son in my book behind closed doors at at the end of each chapter, there is a challenge to write what I call a legacy letter to your child. And the, the condition is that you give them with no strings attached. You give them in private so that they can read it and they don't feel the pressure of response. And we don't, we don't need our kids to validate our parenting choices. And he didn't say anything about the letter and she was kind of crushed by it. But he came to her two weeks later and told her that that letter had literally saved his life, that knowing of her love for him was his reason for keeping and going on. So you never know when you might find those letters in 
on their bulletin board or in their Bible or in their desk drawer. So I encourage you to do that and tell them that even though their relationship with the other parent changed, your love for them as your child will never change. And consider a new or fun tradition of doing something together with your kids to celebrate. I also want to give a shout out to single parents. Single parents are some of the bravest, most tenacious people I have ever, ever witnessed. And I want to give you here a guilt-free check here. Let your kids see you prioritizing self-care today. If you're a single parent, you're their whole entire world and all their security is wrapped up in your health and well-being. So do not feel guilty about caring for yourself today, whether that's a spa day or doing something you enjoy or taking the afternoon off from work or just, you know, closing your door and saying, I'm going to take a bubble bath or watch this show. Do something that cares for your mental and emotional emotional health. And that can go a long way in bolstering their feelings of security. Remember that kids want your undivided attention and your heartfelt expression of love more than anything. And one of the best ways to show your kids love today is to listen with your face. Our love for them reinforces God's love for them, which is bigger than we could ever imagine. When we come back, I'll tell you about that letter campaign. Podcasts of the Dr. Nurse Mama Show are available on the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Well, hey, friends, and welcome back to the show. We have had a lot going on today. We have talked in the first segment about Lent, which is traditionally a Catholic holiday, but I think that there are lessons to be learned. And there is no Christian anywhere who can't agree that it would be a good thing to prepare your heart and your mind for the Easter season. So however you are doing that, I just encourage you to do that. Just telling you, here is your notice that we are 40 days from Easter, which is really exciting to do. We've also talked about Valentine's Day and the most important thing that you can give your kids, and that really is your unconditional love, and they want your time more than anything. But I have been telling you all during the show that we are going to have a great opportunity for you, whether this is connected to Lent kind of activities, or Valentine's Day, you have the opportunity today to send a message of love to Christians all around the world. And we have a guest with us in this last segment. We have Sidra Sarton. Now she is co-host of Share Truth and Apply Scripture right here on AFR. And she is going to tell you and your family how you can participate in something called, ready, the Orange Letter Campaign. Sidra, take it away. Tell us what we can do. Yeah, awesome. Well, I, I, you know, just a little history for the new listeners. Um, OLC began in 2016 after a video came out of 21 Christians being beheaded on a beach in Egypt. And if you're like me, I saw that and I just thought, what can I do? You know, what can I do for these people? And we had the opportunity to write letters and have it sent through another ministry uh, to the families left behind. And each year, we have we have gone to a different country each year, and this year we are reaching out to our sisters and brothers in Russia. And so with this, all the listeners can send a letter, short, 
note of some kind, uh, try to keep it 200 words or less, and you can write just words of encouragement and prayer. And the thing I love about this is that it is a good family activity. It's a good way to teach your kids how to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So when you're looking for an activity to do with them, uh, to sit down and teach them how to uh, say these things to their sisters and brothers and to show love, I just think that's a great opportunity for Valentine's Day. Well, I couldn't agree more with you, but you know, there may be some families who are listening thinking, yeah, I mean, we, we all saw those horrifying videos and we hear stories of Christians around the world who are persecuted for their faith. And they think, what can I say that would be encouraging? Like what suggestions do you have or what kinds of messages would be helpful? Well, if you're like me, I'm not a writer. I'm not good with the words on paper, Um, but they are not looking for eloquent like a book. <laughs> you just need to write, I love you and I'm praying for you and maybe some scriptures. You can and you can get a little more detail, tell a little bit about yourself and and uh your walk with Christ. Uh but and some really do just write, I'm praying for you and some scriptures because they're they're like me. They're not they're maybe not be the best writers. It's just however you want to write your letters. And I encourage the listeners to sit down today and maybe pray um, and spend time with the Lord before you write down the words, and He will guide you. I, I agree with that. And so how can they do these, Cedra? How can they write these letters? Where do they go? What do they do? Yeah, we kept it super simple. You can go to AFR.net, and I think if you're listening, you may already you already know about AFR.net. And right now um, on the home page, you'll be able to see a place where you can click and uh, fill out a form, and it'll walk you right through it and be able to put your letter there and hit Submit. One page and you're done. It'll take a few minutes and you can have your letter on your way to Russia. And I think that you said Global Outreach International, they've sent letters before to Egypt and Syria Mm -hmm. and North Korea and Nigeria. Tell us more about what what Christians are facing in Russia. Well, Russia is uh, you, you don't have as many threats on your life, maybe, but it is a place where you cannot question the government. You can't question what the military is doing. And right now, in a time of war, um, they there have been pastors who've questioned the military tactics and all those things, and they've been detained for that. So, um, like, I know that we have instances of that here in the United States where Christians are being taken to court for their words, but they're able to fight back and um, reclaim their life sometimes and that's not really a possibility in Russia. Um, and so I, I do encourage the listeners to pray for them and also start standing up for your rights here, or we could very much be looking for looking at that in our own home. Um, but right now, spend time praying over these Christians, pray over your sisters and brothers. And, um, and yeah, that's the, that's the kind of things that they're dealing with. And once again, tell them where they can go to send their letters. Go to AFR.net, or if you if you want it to be more detailed, AFR.net slash OLC, but it should be on the homepage, the first thing you pull up on AFR.net. Okay, and those letters are due by February 16th, right? Exactly, yes. Okay, so you have until Friday to send them. Well, before we let you go, Cedra, why don't you tell us about the, the show that you co-host, the uh, Share Truth, Apply Scripture? Absolutely. Me and my friend uh, Jordan Shambly, who also works here as a writer for The Stand Magazine, uh, we are on every Saturday at 5.30 p.m. Central Time, and we try to bring content in for Christians. We, we say younger Christians, college age, up to mid-30s uh, is our age range, and we try to bring content for them. And it's just what the title of the show is. We try to share some truth and apply some scripture to that. And uh, 
And so, uh, you know, we like to invite guests on, maybe younger, see what the younger Christians are doing for their communities as well. Well, thank you so much, Cedra. We really appreciate you stopping by to share with us that opportunity. I think that would be a really great thing to do to uh, to celebrate Valentine's Day, to send a love letter to Christians around the world. Thanks so much for joining us and for all the work that you're doing and the encouragement that you're providing. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, Cedra. Well, I hope that you'll catch our show, Share Truth, Apply Scripture, that you can find that on AFR. Well, as we continue to talk about Valentine's Day, let me address some of the things that parents may see. One of the most common things that I see on Valentine's Day is that it can cause a little bit of angst, right? On who gets a Valentine who doesn't, and the drama that may surround that. And we see different classrooms trying to manage that in different ways. And it can be hard for your teenagers thinking, you know, that some of their peers or even siblings may be in a dating relationship and they're not. And we see Galentine's Day parties and fries before guys and all of these kinds of things that are fun. But it is a great opportunity to talk to your kids about healthy friendships. Every kid and every age, they're working on developing healthy friendships. And friendships can be one of the greatest sources of joy and one of the greatest sources of angst for teens. Now, for me, I often see this uh, in girl drama. You know, we do see that as a thing. And my poor husband feels like he is in over his head. Like, I don't understand this. I don't know what to say to speak into this. Let, let me just encourage the dads out there. If you incur- if you encounter girl drama, just giving a hug and taking your daughter out for maybe a coffee or some ice cream or something like that and just telling you her you love her, that's enough. You don't have to fix it all the time. Sometimes just being there is helpful, but boys can get their feelings hurt too. And I know as a mom of boys, that can be a really difficult thing. But we really need to be intentional as parents about cultivating good friendships for our kids, not just issuing demands or restrictions to keep out the negative ones. And Valentine's Day can be so much about celebrating those friendships, not just romantic relationships. So if you have a school-aged child or a teenager who is struggling with a friendship, I want to equip you with five questions that you can ask them to help start conversation about this. So if they come home and they're struggling with that friendship, ask them, do you enjoy being around this person? Does their company make you feel happy? And just explore, do they like being around this person? Then ask, do they accept you for who you are? Do you feel comfortable being yourself? Or do they try to change you or you feel pressure to be like them? Because our kids should be fully empowered to express their personalities and their likes and their dislikes and their interests. And I think as parents, you know, you it's painful to watch your child pretend they like something that they don't or pretend to want to engage in something because they want to be accepted when they really don't. It's okay to say, hey, you know, sports is not my thing, but can I read a book on the sideline while you play? Something like that. Another question to ask is, is there genuine mutual concern in this friendship? Do they care about you as much as you care about them? Do they check up on you? Do they check in with you? Or are they only talking about themselves? Are they caring about your birthday? You know, are, are they telling you happy birthday as much as you're telling them happy birthday? The next question is kind of a hard one and it's an important one. Are you more concerned about 
them as a person or are you more concerned about the friendship? Do you worry about the loss of the person in your life or the loss of the status and the access that comes with the friendship. Parents, this can be hard for us as adults, but to navigate our kids through this, it's difficult to watch them say, well, I don't want to lose this friend because then who will I sit with at lunch? And then if I'm not friends with this person, then I can't be friends with that person. Then I won't be able to be invited here. That is a really hard thing. But most importantly, we need to ask our kids If these friends that they have, do they bring out the best in you? Do you like yourself when you're around them? Do they build you up or do they tear you down in the name of joking? And many times our protective instincts as parents, we just want to lay down the law. We want to cut off access to friends that we see as hurtful or unhealthy. We might restrict or forbid. And that may have worked in the old days, but parents, this is something that doesn't work in today's age of constant electronic access. It's almost impossible to completely cut off access to someone. And it prompts cries of, you just don't understand. And then our equally passionate replies that say, well, if you live in my house, you will obey my rules. So parents on this Valentine's day, I want to remind you of the communication pattern that I have outlined for you in my book behind closed doors, but I've also talked about freely here on this show and in my social media, and that is to love your teen. So whether it's a friendship or whether it's a dating relationship, if you're having conflict over that, if you find yourself arguing about the same friendships or the same relationships over and over again, instead of leading with lecturing, I encourage you to love your teen instead, L-O-V-E. Now, this is a four-step process. Let me walk you through it really quickly. L is listen with your face. That was our healthy habit last week. Put things down. When you start to have this conversation, especially about something that often leads to conflict or something that your teen or you just feels is really important, or your child, it doesn't matter what age they are, put down whatever is in your hands, whether that's a phone, whether that's cooking, whether it's laundry, whether it's a project or yard work, whatever is in your hands, put it down and give them your full attention and tell them that. Say, this sounds important. I want you to have my full face and my full attention. I'm listening. That's so important because how many times have you been trying to talk to someone and it just doesn't seem like they're paying attention? Our kids on Valentine's Day and every day, they want to be seen and known and heard and loved and listening with our face and leading with listening rather than lecturing is an effective way to do that. Then, oh, offer open-ended questions. So ask questions first, instead of saying, okay, well, you know what you need to do is, and immediately go in with your advice, start asking questions. How do this, how does this make you feel? What do you think that you should do? What do you see as potential solutions here? Or what do you think it's important for me to know about what you're struggling with? Just ask them questions. That's L and O V is validate their emotions. Parents, if you could just look at the face of your precious sweet child, whether they're two or 10 or 20, and just say, I can see that this has you really anxious. I can see you really care about this. 
that will go miles in building your relationship with them. And then E finally is explore next steps together. Once you've built that relationship bridge with effective communication, they're going to be more likely to listen to what you have to say. And you can start by saying, you know, I've experienced this before. Let me share with you what happened to me. Kids love to hear stories about when we were growing up or the things that we faced. And it reminds them that we were their age once and we're not so removed from their problems. So empower them, use this love your child model to empower them to voice their opinion in a safe space for consideration. Help walk them through that decision-making and reasoning while their frontal cortex doesn't yet have the full executive function to do so. And that is an important thing to do. I want to close with a prayer from my book, Behind Closed Doors. Um, That's taken from 1 Corinthians 13. God, help us to speak with love that is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, and it is not arrogant or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It doesn't rejoice with wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Help us to love our children in these ways. Help us to clearly see Christ-like love in a healthy relationship. And when they're tempted to follow a path to unhealthy relationships, we know that you are faithful to not let them be tempted beyond what they can bear. Provide a clear path of escape and help us to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things in love for our children. Well, happy Valentine's Day, and we'll see you tomorrow with Mark Hancock, who is the CEO of Trail Life USA. You won't want to miss it. We'll see you then. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.